In his second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes these words, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. This is In Season and Out of Season, a Bible teaching ministry with Father Tom DiLorenzo. Good day, it's Father Tom, and I'm glad to be with you today. How blessed we are to have a Savior who has redeemed us with his blood and has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. How blessed we are to have Jesus living in our hearts as we have surrendered our lives to him. How blessed are we in the name of Jesus. Are you blessed today? Do you have him living in your heart? Have you surrendered to him? Is he your Lord and your Savior? Oh yes, that's what he wants to be, our Lord and our Savior. I'm looking at Acts 9, the conversion of Saul. Meanwhile, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any that belonged to the way, again, the way is what Christianity was called at this time, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He wants to destroy the way. He wants to destroy the people who believe in Jesus as the Messiah. He wants to destroy it. We saw him with his thumbs down killing Stephen, the, the deacon, who did great works and who believed in the resurrection of the Lord. We continue. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. What is this light? It's the Shekinah glory. It's the glory of God flashed around him. The light of God flashed around him. Do you remember in Solomon's temple they were dedicating it that the priests could not minister to the Lord because the Shekinah glory came upon them? They were all on their faces. Do you remember that? I do very clearly. This is the same glory that came upon those people, the priests who are dedicating Solomon's temple. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It doesn't say that Saul was on a horse. We don't know what Saul was on, whether he was walking or whether he was riding. Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Oh, to persecute the Christian is to persecute the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you into persecuting Catholics? You're persecuting Jesus. Are the Catholics into persecuting people that aren't Catholic? Then we're persecuting Jesus. We have no time to talk evil about our brothers and sisters. 
We are living in a time of darkness, and only God knows that we need to help each other, whether we are Catholic or Protestant or Evangelical or Pentecostal. We need to help each other, not throw each other down. That is not the will of God. That is the will of the enemy. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with Saul stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Who did Saul see? He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus himself. Jesus makes him an apostle, an apostle who has seen the resurrected Christ. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. What about our eyes? What do we see with our eyes? What about our spiritual eyes? Do we see Jesus? Do we see the blood covering us? Do we see the resurrected Christ? What about our spiritual eyes? What do they see? Are they beholding the Lord on the cross who died for us? Are we beholding the risen Lord who conquered death, the grave, and sin? Oh yes, what do our eyes see? Saul could see nothing, so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. I remember being on the Damascus Road many years ago. When I was told the Damascus Road is here, I went to my knees and kissed the ground. I said, maybe Saul was converted right here. It is the road to Damascus. I don't know if he was converted right there, but I know we were on the Damascus Road. I kissed the ground because I loved Saul, who became Paul. For three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. He fasted. He fasted for three days, and he's blind. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, Straight Street. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Ananias says to God, Are you mistaken? This is the guy that has put people in prison. This is the guy that said Stephen should die. Are you mistaken, Lord? No, he's not mistaken. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name, the name of Jesus. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and the kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show 
him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Suffer persecution. We know that Saul said salvation is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And he lived that. Wherever he go to a town, he'd go to the synagogue first. He'd preach Isaiah 53 like a sheep led to the slaughter, like a sheep before its shearers. He opened not his mouth, and they threw him out. They once stoned him. He always went to the synagogue first, because salvation is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So Ananias went and entered the house, the house on Straight Street. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the way here has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Well, I tell you, scales fell from his heart too. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he remained and regained his strength. This is the conversion of Paul. This is how God converted a sinner. He says, I am the greatest sinner because I have persecuted the church of God. But I am an apostle. I know what I am. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ because of what he did to me on the Damascus Road. For several days he was with disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoke this name? In other words, is this not Saul, the one who killed Stephen, the one who put in prison so many people that belong to the way? Is this not Saul, as he's preaching Jesus? They're afraid that he might hurt them too. But God did a work in Saul, and he's not going to hurt people of the way. He's going to convert people in Damascus to the Lord Jesus Christ. And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. How did he prove that? He went to Isaiah 53, like a lamb led to the slaughterhouse, like a sheep before his shearers, he opened not his mouth. Oh yes, this is Jesus who was crucified, who was buried, and who arose from the dead. Saul began to proclaim from the Old Testament the prophetic words about Jesus, especially the one from 53 Isaiah, that he would be the one who would redeem Israel and the world. Do you know that God has redeemed Israel and the world through the blood of Jesus?
Do you know he's redeemed you through his precious blood? Have you come under the blood? Are you blood-bought? I am. I've been bought with the price, not of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Proving that Jesus was the Messiah, after some time had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching at the gates day and night so that they might kill him, but his disciples took him at night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. So you could see that Saul was not a big man. He's being lowered in a basket so that he will not be killed. How we need to see how they hated him. How they hated him, why? Because he preached the Lord Jesus Christ. What about us? Do people hate us for loving Jesus? Is our love noticeable to people? Do people know that we walk with the man who gave his life for us and who rose from the dead? Do they know this by our lives? Or do we hide under a bushel basket that we belong to Jesus? Do not hide that you belong to Jesus. Give your life over to him. Let him touch you in a way that he's never touched you. Let him heal you in a way that he's never healed you. You say, but I'm not healed. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood, by the power of the resurrection, be healed in your body. Be healed in your back. Be healed in your neck. Be healed in your knees. Be healed in your hips. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Now, Try to see what you couldn't do. Move your body and see how many people were healed. This is very important because God is a healer. He hasn't stopped healing. He is a healer. The word salvation comes from the word salos, which means healing. We need the healing touch of Jesus. People tell me, I go to the best doctors. That's a good thing. Go to the best doctors, but also go to people that will pray for you, that you would be healed. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. Why? Because he had persecuted Christians. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, means the man of encouragement, took him and brought him to the apostles and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord. But not only seen the Lord, but the Shekinah glory covered him. He was changed now for life. I tell you, if the Shekinah glory falls upon me, I'm changed for life. It did. It fell upon me in the last week of August in 1968, on the last Sunday in August. I changed for life that the Shekinah glory fell on me. 
I didn't even know what the Shekinah glory was, but it was the presence of God, the glorious presence of God that fell on me, that changed my life in 1968. But you see, we need to be changed every day. Why? Because all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need to be touched every day as we read the scriptures, as we go to Holy Communion. We need to be touched every day. How many people get changed at the Eucharist? Not many. Why? They don't understand that not only is this the real presence of Jesus, but that he wants to do a work for them, in them, and through them. At the Eucharist, he wants to do this because it's his real body and blood, soul and divinity. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. I want to speak boldly in the name of Jesus, lovingly but boldly. I want to tell people, you either stand with Jesus or you stand against Jesus. If you stand with Jesus and have surrendered to him, you have salvation. If you are against Jesus, you have not salvation. You say, but I don't understand salvation. Salvation is that Jesus Christ went to the cross out of love for you. He bled for you, covers you with his blood, and he rose from the dead. Believing that, reality brings us into salvation. Surrendering our life to him brings us into salvation. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He spoke and argued with some Greeks, but they were attempting to kill him. When the believers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. That's where we came from, Tarsus. Meanwhile, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was built up, living in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, Holy Spirit, we need that comfort. We need that uh, presence of God to fill us so that we are filled with peace, living in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We need that Holy Spirit. We need that, please. And it increased in numbers. How did it increase in numbers? By the preaching of Jesus Christ that he died for us, that he was buried for us, that he rose from the dead for us. How many people in the pulpit preach Jesus? I don't know what people preach, 
The only thing I can preach is Jesus, the Lord, the healer, the one who took our sins to himself, the one who said, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. Do you know that on the cross, Jesus drew you into his sacred heart? Do you know that? He didn't miss you. He did it for you. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men, women, unto myself. Do you know that today, that you were drawn to the heart of Jesus? Now as Peter went, and there among all the believers, he came down also to the saints living in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Oh yes, how we need the signs to tell people that this was not done by any human being. When people come to me healed, they say, thank you, Father Tom, for healing me. I say, no, you're thanking the wrong person. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Father Tom has no healing virtue in him, but he is called to pray for the sick and to watch them get better. That's real. That's real. Let's continue to verse 36. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, the woman, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. She was a young girl. She died. Let's see what happens. When they had washed her, they laid her in the room upstairs, since Lyder was near Joppa. The disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs where Dorcas was, where Lida was. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside. Why? Because they're all filled with sorrow. He doesn't need the sorrow. He needs to heal Dorcas and raise her from the dead. So he throws out all the people, and he is with Dorcas. Then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. 
Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon the Tanner. That's an interesting thing, that he stayed with Simon the Tanner. Tanning was not kosher. It was not kosher. And yet, Simon Peter stays in a place that's not kosher. He's coming to believe that the kosher laws are not very important anymore. I love the story of Dorcas or Tabitha. I love the story of how Peter touched her by the hand and asked her to get up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Jesus Christ is Lord. He has been raised from the dead. Worship him. God bless you. This has been In Season and Out of Season with Father Tom DiLorenzo. A tape of this week's series of messages is available to you with a donation when you write to this new address, Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass. 02128. Please make a note of it. And remember that this ministry is supported only by the donations of listeners, so please help as the Lord leads you. That new address again is Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass. 02128. And be sure to listen again next time for In Season and Out of Season. Oh.